Okay, so heading over to text, text messages, uh, we have this here in relationship to the historical churches being turned into hotels mm. in the UK, the sad reality of the death of Christianity. I wonder if this would happen if the truth of the old Protestant religion was being preached with power and mm. love, not the get-rich-quick gospel that is being... Preached by many pastors today. I could not agree more Dude. with the sentiments of this particular post right mm. here. And where you see the gospel, the, that Protestant gospel of the Reformation of the 16th century being preached with power and with conviction, you see churches that are still growing because the power of the gospel has not lost its power. Mm. The power to convert people, the power to attract people, the power of God's love is still just as powerful as it was before, mm. but it has been diluted by pastors who have been trying to build mega churches by telling everybody that they'll get rich if they give them money and that they'll because they're rich, they'll get rich like they're rich. They're just like they're just selling out Jesus for yeah, money. Exactly. Yeah. Which is awful. <clears throat> Okay, somebody texting in about uh, to say that good piece of legislation in New South Wales mm. in relationship to the unborn child being considered to be a person. Then you've got uh, critical race theory is like a drop of arsenic in a glass of water. It will still kill you. It was created solely to divide the nation. Couldn't agree more. This is, this is incredibly uh, divisive stuff. And we need to be pulling together, not driving apart. We need to be finding the things that we have in common. The best way that you can deal with any kind of race issue is to become friends with people of a different race. Mm. You know, it's just as simple as that. You get to know people and all of that, you know, all those preconceived ideas go out the window. The use of the FBI um, proves the comment above is what that the government call, is that what the government calls freedom of speech? The next attack will be on freedom of thought. This is the slippery road to the concentration camps of China and North Korea and others. And it's interesting because Freedom of speech is, 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 is true. Freedom of speech is attacked before freedom of thought is attacked, and the way that freedom of thought is attacked is by liquidation and extermination mm. because that's the only way that you can deal with, uh, you know, attack freedom of thought. Hi, Kate. Loved your last song. Well done. Congratulations on your new job. Talking about poo. A clean stomach is a clean body and a healthy body. Mm. All it takes to resolve it is water. Mm. We are amazingly created and get and can't get easier than that. I know people who only go to the toilet uh, number two once a week or two weeks or sometimes once a month. That's, that's okay. Oh, okay. That might be scratching. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> there, are, there are people who who will go days on end. Yeah. Yeah. They had to go to hospital to basically have it chiseled out. Interesting black black tea. Didn't know that. Thanks. Mm. Uh, if Daniel's, if uh, this is, um, um, what's his name, Dan in Victoria, Dan Andrews. Uh, Bill goes through in Victoria. All other states will follow soon after. God help us. We must consider who is really behind him. He's just a front, a puppet for them um, who will be discarded once he does what he is told. And, yeah, well, if he kind of keeps going the way he is, he could be discarded sooner rather than later. There does come a point when Victorians won't take it any longer, but I don't know what point that is. <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Mm. Okay, let's see here. Um, the hostels could be a one. Freco says this one uh, could be a wonderful place to witness for Jesus. Okay, so these um, turning churches into ho- hostels, yeah, why not use it as an opportunity to witness to people while they're there? And I got to say as well, these things look amazing. Like these old cathedrals are epic, and then they're just like they are. decked out with like beds and candles and stuff, and you can go there and you know. Hang is out. it like one big dormitory? They put rooms inside. Um, 
Well, from what I saw, it was like it was like small cathedrals, you know, that are made out of stone, mm-hmm. and they just like yeah, turn it into just one big room, big dormitory room of worship. Yeah. Yep. Just they'll either lay it's a, a great place to have a uh, have a uh, a youth oh, kind of event. You could you could go there. You could have a worship service. You mm. could you know play your guitar, fire up the pipe organ. You know, do all that kind of stuff. Fire! Sleep. Imagine firing up the pipe organ, like you know. As I, I think in these old buildings that have real pipe organs too. Oh yeah, with the real pipes, pipes like run through the building and, and like massive great pipes. Yeah, yeah. Fire it oh. up and 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 have a bit of a jam session. Have a jam session that like half just... the town can hear. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> On and, a Saturday and, night, and then and then, uh, and then have a meal and sleep over. That would be. I'd I'd hire one of these places out for something like that. Oh, totally. Uh, you could do it with all kinds of um, church groups. Dude. Let's go to do the it with you, Do it with your worship, worship group or whatever it might be. Yeah. I, I, like the, I like the position taken here in Australia probably a little bit better where the head of the Uniting Church in Australia has basically looked around Australia and they own a gazillion properties that are not being used, church mm. properties. And, you know, you'll see these small churches. They're often weatherboard or fibro that, um, you know, they're, they're kind of dotted all over the place. And people don't really go to those kind of churches anymore because people are so much more mobile, which is why these small churches have died and are no longer used because everybody goes to the big church where you know, they can hang out with a much larger community. Mm. And uh, basically uh, the United Church in Australia said, fine, you can have them for free as long as you do a church plant there, don't care who you are. Wow. Just, just, just go and do a church plant. Mm. If you want to do a church plant in that particular area, the building is yours. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Great attitude right there, which is another solution really to the same kind of problem. What do you do? Because once you get people who move in uh, and start worshipping there, they're going to start maintaining the building. Mm. Anyway, we need to get to our Bible study, um, and that's a thought for all of you avid church planters out there. Uh, the Uniting Church, they're the people to talk to. If you've got one of those little dead churches that is sort of hanging around in your community and not doing anything, fire that thing up, invite your friends along, and start a church. <laughs> Dude, epic. All right. We're going to go to the book of Deuteronomy? Yes, we are. Oh, awesome. We're going to the book of... No, we're not. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> oh. We are going to talk about the book of Deuteronomy. We are not going to go to the book of Deuteronomy. Okay. We're kind of building up to something in, the, in, in, in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And yesterday we talked about how that none of us have a choice in existing. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. So none of us have a choice to exist. We did not choose our parents to give birth to us. Adam and Eve did not choose for God to create them. Mm. They came into existence, but God is all about freedom of choice. And because God is all about freedom of choice, he's like, well, if you don't want to exist, you don't have to. Mm. You know, there's this thing called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if you choose to do that, to eat that, then you will cease to exist. Mm. God also created us with the desire to exist. Every human being has within them the desire to exist. And, you know, that's important. That's why the body will try and preserve itself at at all costs. Now, if we... um, So so what we're going to... So so this choice always exists. Um, And you have this right through the Bible. You've got these two choices, these two options. What we're going to look at is what two options and what two choices are... Uh, either openly stated or implied in these verses. We're going to start in John chapter 3 and verse 16. John 
3 and verse 16, as I'm just turning the pages here. Oh, wait. <laughs> I was waiting for him to cotton on. <laughs> He's like busily turning the pages, busily like, turning the pages. Oh, wait. It's John just chapter 3 and verse 16, 16, the single most famous Bible verse in the entire Bible, you know, outside of like, let, let there be light, probably. Um, yeah, for God's- I, think it, I think it's probably even more famous than that one. Yeah. Okay, so, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever may believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, so, what two choices are um, implied or stated right here? So, you can perish. Yes. Or you can have everlasting life. Right. Mm-hmm. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Pretty, it is. Pretty it clear is. division there. Okay, and somebody just texted back to say that the example that they gave earlier of a person who went a whole month without using the bathroom mm-hmm. was actually a friend of theirs. It was a real thing, and they had to have that operation. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So that's pretty terrifying. That is intense. It is very, very intense. <coughs> yeah, talk about basically having to chisel it out. It's just, mm. wow. Mm. Let's all look after our health, people. Let's drink lots of water every day. Have your eight glasses of water every day. Have a little bit of salt from time to time when needed. Um, I think that was Himalayan salt, they said. Dude, eat some avocados. They support the adrenal gland, and the more supported your adrenal gland is, the more testosterone you produce, and the more testosterone you produce, the more fat it burns, and then you're just living healthy and good. Uh, Sounds good to me. Just I like, eat, I love just avocados. eat avocados, drink water, put like a pinch of Himalayan salt in it, and you're literally living your best life. So, so, so make a piece of toast with avocado on it and a pinch of Himalayan salt. Yep. Good to go. Yeah. Actually, I think you're supposed to have the salt different, separate from your food, though. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to our Bible study, Genesis chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. Um, if you want all of that information and you did miss the interview that we had with Kate Garriga, it was fascinating about colon health. So um, you can head over to the podcast, of course, where you can hear it all there. Mm. Genesis 7, verse 22, 23. Genesis 7, 22 and 23, the Bible says everything that breathed and lived on dry land um, died. God wiped out every living thing on the on the earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him on the boat. Okay. Pretty simple equation here with Noah's Ark, isn't it? You know, when you stop and think about it, it's just... God says, get on the boat and live, mm. stay off the boat and die. Mm. And what's interesting is that God didn't go round, you know, God didn't send his angels to round everybody up and get them onto the ark. Mm. You know, they weren't, they weren't running around with, uh, you know, guns and handcuffs and putting people in straitjackets and loading them onto the ark. Mm. God said, here is an ark, here is a way of surviving, just trust me, you're going to need it to survive, and if you want to survive... Walk up the gangplank. Yeah. Oh, such a good point, eh? Like, so, uh, I feel like I, people who don't understand the Bible have such a narrow perspective of the story. Like, imagine reading this and, and coming to the conclusion, wow, God is terrible because he killed all those people by flooding the earth. He gives, like, literally every single person ample opportunity to make the decision. And that's the point of the ark. And it's not hard. Mm. 
you know, the, the ark was fully provisioned and stocked and anybody else could have gone, yeah, you know what? Uh, this doesn't look good because of what God has said. So I'll build an ark as well. Mm. There was nothing stopping somebody else from building an ark mm. and stocking it and providing for it. But the ark was there and it was fully stocked and provisioned. All you had to do was walk up the gangplank. Mm. Yet they didn't. And this is, and this is, this is the whole point. If, if, you know, cause we kind of look at God and say, oh, you know, well, people like today, they look at, look at God and say, ah, oh, he was cruel because he flooded the world and he flooded and he destroyed all those people and he murdered all of those people. And, you know, he didn't have to. Yeah, it's true. He could have rounded them all up. He could have forced them all onto the ark. Mm. He could have forcibly saved their lives. But God is not a God of force. Mm. He's a God of free choice. Mm. He does not force anyone. Mm. Yeah, and ultimately, like, the result is that they don't get onto the ark, and and uh, then it's like, okay, so whose fault is it? Yeah, it's not God's fault. <laughs> like, God has, God has warned them for 120 years. Seriously. And and the point... You know, it's not like he came to them the day before and said, I'm going to flood the world tomorrow, you better get off on the ark, and we're sort of caught, you know, uh, with, with an emergency kind of situation, like, oh, uh, uh, what, what, what do we do right now? No. Mm-hmm. It's 120 years he was telling them every single day, 120 years they were building the ark for, 120 years there was not just a gospel message going out to the world, but there was a physical ark being built, a boat like the likes of the world had never, ever seen before, a physical testimony to what God was Mm. going to do and how God was going to save them. And then the miracle of the animals getting on the boat automatically, uh-huh. like uh-huh. with no hurting, uh-huh. like like just all that stuff. It's yeah, it's um the point of the ark and the reason that God flooded the earth is because it says here like the earth was filled with violence continually, and so He gives people the opportunity to start a new life. That's right, free of violence. Mm. All right, let's go over to the other end of the Bible, Romans chapter six and verse twenty three. Mm, Romans chapter six. Verse, I'm, still, I'm still laughing in, in my head about that John 3.16 thing. I was like, so, because I get so focused on flipping the pages. I'm like, this Bible that I have is like quite big. So it, it takes a lot of effort to, to, to manhandle it around. And I'm like, oh, got to get to the page. And then it was like John 3.16. All right. And you're going to uh, laugh when you read this one too. Okay. Romans chapter six and verse 23. Oh. <laughs> Twice in one morning. Twice in one morning. <laughs> okay. See, Lawson, is, is, uh, let, me, let, me, let me let you on a little bit of a secret. I've practiced this over many years What's of that? having fun with audiences. Yeah. And it all comes down to the way that you announce the verse. Uh-huh. If you say, I want you to turn your Bibles to John 3.16, nobody's going to turn their Bibles to John 3.16. Yeah. But if you say, hey, I want you all to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3 and verse 16, they all turn there. Wow. <laughs> Which is exactly what I did to you. Yeah. And it twice. worked again. Twice on verses that I've, like, memorized. Yes. It's like, okay, so this one, I'm not even going to look at the Bible. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Absolutely. Okay, so just a warning, I'm not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. In this, in this, am I going to do it again? No, no, I'm not going to do it again. Okay, none of the rest of these are uh, are super well known. Well versus. known. Okay, um, <clears throat> but once again, it's a very, very simple equation. You know, the wages of sin is death. Mm. The gift of God is 
eternal life. Mm. What more do you need to know? Mm. Uh, at 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 what point is that difficult to understand? Mm. And how is it challenging to follow? And it kind of you know you're going to find what we're going to find is uh, in the book of Deuteronomy that this this is a principle that God outlines over a number of chapters uh, and sort of repeats it and repeats it and repeats it and repeats it. You know, you've got blessings and cursings and, and you know, some people look at that like, oh, wow, you know, God pours out all of these cursings on people and God says that the wages of sin is death and God says, you know, um, if you don't choose Jesus Christ, then you're going to perish and so God must be awful. Mm. No, God is not awful. God is actually amazing. Mm. And God loves us beyond what we can imagine, which is why God offers us grace. Mm. The ark was a gift. If you were an antediluvian, you didn't have to build it. All you had to do was walk on. That's all you had to do. Uh, with grace, with salvation that you know we, we, we read about today, the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life is a gift. Mm. You don't have to build eternal life. It's not something you're going to go and do. It's something that you receive. Mm. What's it going to cost? No, it's going to cost surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> you know, find me somebody who, who, who can find a negative thing about surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Show me... In what way are you going to become a worse person by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ? Now, I know that there are lots of Christians out there who are bad people. Mm. I get that. But that's not as a result of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Mm. That's as a result of living for yourself and not living for Jesus Christ. That's the complete opposite. But if we look at it purely from the perspective of you know, let's take humanity out of the equation for a moment and the fact that Christians are human beings who do bad things from time to time. And we look at the life of Jesus and say, okay, let's say that I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. That means, very simply, I'm going to endeavor to live my life as much like Jesus lived his life as possible. Please show me where there's a negative in that. Mm. Please show me how that's going to be in any way, shape or form damaging to you. I can't find it anywhere. All right, we have another verse to read. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. I don't know this one off by heart. Romans 8. If you give me a start on it, I could probably have a crack at it, but Romans 8 verse 6. It says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Yeah, I'm certainly not going to quote it from uh, that translation. Let me look it up in mine. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Because Jesus' birth is important and all year round, and probably happened in what July, October, October. Okay. Yeah, yeah, same as you, same as me. Hey, there you go. Um, hey, but right now, September, October, somewhere we're gonna get into a this verse. Yes, I'm gonna read it from the KJV. Uh, because verse six. I yours was says the right things, but it was unrecognizable compared yeah. to uh, the says the right page. things in the wrong way. Apparently, okay. So let me read it to you. For to be carnally minded is death, 
Mm-hmm. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen words in that. And yours has got like a bunch, a paragraph. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's to try right. and say the same thing. Yeah, I like the simplicity of this, even though there are words in there that we rarely use today. Mm. The words are still recognizable when you say carnal. Mm. We can still recognize that word today, I think. Can't we? Can, yeah, your, well, can your generation recognize well, that word? Like the word khan, like, and you know, you have like the dish chili con khan, right? Which is like chili plus My meat. mind didn't go there. No. So khan, like that word khan is like the word for meat in like probably Latin or Spanish or whatever. Flesh. I know that they use it in Spanish. Like that's, you know, a way that they refer to meat in Spanish. And so it's probably. Okay, used maybe, in maybe Latin I completely well. missed the boat here. Edi- the, the, edi- the etymology no of the word. <laughs> what do you mean? This is, it's like exactly what it means because carnally, like carnal is about the flesh. It is. And the word like carn, like it, the, the etymology, like the origin of the word is like, yeah, all well, to do, like, and the way that we use it today is yeah, to okay, meat. But, uh, okay. I'm learning something new. That's what I'm. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, is that we use it to refer to meat in certain food dishes today? But yeah, in terms of the word carnally, we don't really use that. At all. Would Would your generation recognize? My generation would recognize that. Um, my generation would recognize something that was carnal as something that appealed to the flesh. Yeah. Okay. No. No. I. I think that. If I think back to when I was, I don't know, 15 years old and someone said the word carnal to me, I probably didn't know what it meant. Mm. Mm. Okay. There you go. All right. (laughs) Uh, To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life. You Mm. do not get a more simple formula than that. And this is a continuation of this simple formula that God is giving throughout Scripture, that God comes to us and he offers us life or death. He's like, Mm. I'm not forcing you either way. It is your choice. And you can live your life here on this earth. You get a life to live on this earth so that you can experience life and you can make your choice as to whether you want to continue with that or not. Mm. Let's go to First John chapter 5 and verse 12. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5 and verse 12, where the Bible says, Whoever has the Son... Has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Your Bible says that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was actually very simple and easy to, easy understand. to understand. Yeah. And had few words in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine says, what is it? First John 5 verse 12. Okay, yep. yep. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. Mm-hmm. It's almost exactly the same. <laughs> It's like your NLT was copying from the KJV. <laughs> They're both translations of the same text. Like, come on. All right, but a very simple formula here. And when you have the opportunity between choosing life and choosing death, why is it that you don't have more people that choose life? Mm. I, I think it's it's a, a number of things. Like I would say the first one, like, well, people would come with a number of reasons and we could say firstly like, oh, well, maybe they don't know they have the option. They don't know the consequences of their actions. And that's fair enough. And I like, hey, dude, uh, I mentioned last week, like sitting down and doing a Bible study with someone who has never read the Bible before, you know, hearing them pray for the first time. They've never prayed before. They've never, like up until this point, they've, they've heard the name of Jesus a handful of times. 
and they just don't know. And it's wild. It's crazy. It's like a blank slate of a person that's not only not Christian, but has had no effect of Christian culture in their life whatsoever at all, because they come from a non-Christian country um, or a country where Christianity is very limited, um, particularly, you know, China is so big that there's whole regions of the country that have never heard the name of Jesus. Um Versus, like, then there's our culture, which is very different, which is very, um, I think, culturally soaked with Christianity. And but very culturally aware of Christianity. Of, of, aware. But then there are those who, like, who then grew up in a Christian family, have had much exposure to the teachings of Christianity, um, and even, yeah, the, the, the practice of Christianity, and they ultimately don't choose life because of sin. Okay, so let me ask you this question from your personal experience, your mm-hmm. testimony. You've come from a a position of non-belief mm-hmm. and you've been approached by a couple of Bible workers um, to, mm-hmm. to do Bible studies and so forth and so you, you, you come in contact with Christianity. Was it daunting for you to choose Christ when suddenly that was going to involve giving up a whole thing, a whole bunch of things from your uh, previous life? You know, well, alcohol and so forth. You, yeah. you mentioned yesterday that you were an alcoholic. Yeah. Was it like... <laughs> You know, did you sort of weigh it up? Do I want Jesus or do I want alcohol? Definitely. There was questions that I asked, but I actually, I had this conversation with someone yesterday. We were, we were doing a Bible study and we're talking about what inspires us about the person of Jesus. Um, and there's many things, you know, many things that he taught and his, his kind of views on non-aggression and loving your enemies and all kinds of things that were great. But the thing that really hooked me in was that I saw a Jesus, I saw a person who died for me who mm. gave literally everything for me. And it's like, how could I not give up my sin, um, the thing that's keeping me away from this person, when this person, Jesus, has given me literally everything so that I can escape from it? That was the perspective that changed my mind because I did have those questions. I was like, oh, I could have a, a motorbike career. I could have all these different things. But I was like, no, like Jesus is more important because of what he has done for me. That was that was the, the paradigm shifter. The, the amount that God would give to me, the amount that Jesus would give to me so that I could have life and, and live life with him. I was like, man, why would I even want this? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's time for... Question of the day. All right, Lyle, we have, we've had a question come through, and it's essentially this. Why did God show mercy to Ahab after what he did to Naboth, but punished his son? Is that just? Yeah, really interesting question, this one. So we have to understand uh, why was Ahaziah, which was Ahab's son, punished? Was Ahaziah punished because of what, Aboth, what, what, uh, what Ahab did to Naboth? Or was Ahaziah punished because of his own sins? This is kind of the first thing that the first thing that we've got to look at right here. So um, the answer to that is found in Ezekiel chapter eighteen, verse four. And by the way, um, just a little bit of a reminder of the story. Uh, we find a story where Ahab and Jezebel, because they were husband and wife, uh, if, you, if you're not remembering the story of Naboth's vineyard, um, Jezebel comes to Ahab, and Ahab is in a foul mood, and he's having a big sulk. And uh, Jezebel asks him, why? What's your problem? And he's like, well, I went to buy, I really like this vineyard over the way that Naboth has. And I said, look, I'll go and buy it from you. And I'll give you like really, really generous money, you know, 
money that no one can refuse because I'm the king and I've got money to do so. I'm summarizing here. And Naboth said, look, you know, this has been in my family forever and, you know, he's really attached to it. And it's kind of like, you know, one of those situations where it doesn't matter how much money you offer, it's not for sale. You know, and some people, they feel that way about their farms. And Naboth felt that way about his farm. He's just like, no, nah, you can't offer me enough money. I'm not actually interested in money. Uh, I, I, I'm interested in my property and I really like it. And this is, this is my happy place. And so why would I sell it? And so Ahab went home and got in a big sulk over that because he really wanted that particular piece of land. And so Jezebel's like, why are you sulking? And he tells Jezebel the story. And Jezebel's like, what's wrong with you, you idiot? You're the king. Kill him. Take it. So Ahab killed him and took it. And then, of course, Ahab goes down there to uh, collect a bunch of grapes. And while he's going up and down the rows of uh, grapes in the vineyard, turns the corner and who's standing there but Elijah, you know, <laughs> and you can imagine the look on Ahab's face and Elijah and, and, and Ahab's like, well, what are you doing here? And Elijah's like, well, why do you think I'm here? Anyway, that's the story of Naboth's vineyard. That was a terrible thing that Ahab did. And, of course, Elijah roundly condemned Ahab for having done so. And uh, the person is asking, okay, why was Ahaziah punished rather than Ahab? Well, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that both of these guys were punished. Ahab was punished for what he did to Naboth in Naboth's vineyard and for a whole bunch of other things that he did. And he died a violent and horrible and terrible death as a result of it, being shot to death with arrows. Um, when we come to Ahaziah, why was he punished? He was punished for a different reason. He was not punished for what Ahab did. He was not punished for the Naboth's vineyard incident. He was punished for what he did himself. And, uh, of course, it was uh, it was Ahaziah who, when he was ill, sent to consult Baalzebub, um, the god of Ekron, rather than going to Yahweh or Jehovah. And, of course, that was what he was punished for. Now, you know, some people point out, well, you know, he was, he was, he was uh, held accountable for what his father had done. And, of course, we don't know all of the details. And sometimes we look at these passages and go, okay, that looks super dodgy right there. Um, but we've got to remember, we don't actually know all of the details in this story. We don't know whether you know Ahaziah's involvement in what happened with Naboth's vineyard was Ahab wanting that vineyard for his son. Was his son wanting it? You know, who knows all of those details? But what we do know is what the Bible says very, very clearly. So when we, when we read the Bible, we need to focus what the Bible does say rather than what the Bible doesn't say. So let me read to you what the Bible does say because it is super clear and it's found in the book of Ezekiel chapter eighteen. Ezekiel chapter eighteen. And right here in verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. Going down to verse, uh, let me see here, uh, verse 20, The soul that sins, it shall die. The son will not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wickedness upon him. And so if Ahaziah died because of uh, Naboth's vineyard incident, it was not because of Ahab's guilt, it was because of Ahaziah's guilt in that incident that he died. 
because the Bible is very clear that we are not held guilty or accountable for the sins of our fathers. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.